Welcome to Simply Listen, Women in Dialogue. My name is Soomin Kim, and I hope you're having a beautiful day. I'm excited to be talking today with soprano Leah Hawkins, who earned her Master of Music degree from the Yale School of Music in 2015. Leah has since worked with the Washington National Opera, Metropolitan Opera, and Philadelphia Orchestra, and has performed at such iconic venues as the White House and the Bolshoi Theater. I'm eager to talk with Leah about making the transition from mezzo-soprano to soprano, being a woman of color at YSM and in the opera world, having her career disrupted by the pandemic, and more. Hi, Leah. Hi. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I heard you've been busy with your auntie duties. <laughs> I have. Um, my sister decided it was time to go to Puerto Rico. Oh, She's in nursing school, and so this is her last semester. So I agreed to watch the kids while she went on vacation. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. Are they going to school these days? Virtually. So oh. that was that was the struggle, was getting them up for school and getting them interested in being on Zoom yet again. Yeah. Um, my nieces started mm-hmm. kindergarten this year and um, kindergarten on Zoom is just not <sighs> the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. That's wow. I can't imagine because I'm, you know, I'm a grown up and I have a hard time focusing on like a Zoom lecture and for kindergartners and, and preschool kids it must be really tough. And also for the caregivers, because, you know, how do you how do you get your kid like excited to go to school when it's just on your on your screen? Right. And in the living room. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I have I've always had respect for parents, but I really, man, it has gone up like 20 notches. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, you're an opera singer um, and this pandemic has been tough for a lot of opera singers. How has it been for you? In the beginning, um, it was super tough. Mm-hmm. So actually when everything started to crumble, I was in Germany. I was in Munich and I had just started rehearsals at the Bayerische Staatsoper, the Bavarian State Opera. And um, we had our first day of rehearsal. And then I think it was the second day of rehearsal. It's like, we're canceled. We're not having the show, oh. but we're going to keep rehearsing. Wow. Um, and so we continue rehearsing until they told us we had to stop. Mm-hmm. So I was supposed to be there for about a month and I ended up in Munich for seven weeks. And so Munich, you know, the Germans were very like, on it everything got shut down you couldn't really do much of anything and everybody you know was like come home and I'm like no I feel good where I am <laughs> and uh and then I came home and um I had to move out of my New York apartment and I moved my stuff into my parents garage and came to Philadelphia for three months and mm-hmm. those were the hardest three months I think of my life so far <laughs> because you know I had plans to you know move out of New York move my stuff into my parents home and then I wasn't going to be here. You know, the plan mm-hmm. was for me just to be on the road. Yeah. Um, and what's the point of paying rent if you're on the road to me? Mm. Um, and so uh, when I <laughs> moved my things in and also moved myself in, that was <laughs> tough because I've been away from home. I had been mm. away from home for 12 years. I left for college and, and never came back. Mm. And so, um, you know, it, it was it was a bit of a shock to my system. Then mm-hmm. on top of that, um, losing all of these gigs that I had lined up. And this was my first like real season out of a young artist program, you know, prove myself to the world season. Yeah. And then suddenly all of that was gone. And here I am at home in my parents' spare bedroom. Yeah. I, it was crippling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's really rough. Yeah, you talked about sort of establishing yourself as a professional, you know, freelancing and stuff. And um, you've done the Young Artist Program with the Met, um, which was an amazing beginning to your career. So you must have felt like you were, you know, just ready to go, just go on the road and, you know, prove yourself. And I feel like that's a concern to a lot of young musicians these days. And I just want to know how, how did you, you know, make it into the real world and like beyond just being a student? So I guess when I was at Yale, I um, was auditioning for, um, of course, summer festivals and things, and then um, started thinking about life beyond Yale. For many an opera singer, that is young artist programs, right? Yeah. And so it was my um, second year, first semester, and I applied to only two young artist programs. So I applied to Washington National Opera and Minnesota Opera. Mm-hmm. And sort of random, random choices. <laughs> and uh, Washington, I had a bit of a, 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 a connection to from having lived in the, the Maryland area and, and gone to school in the Maryland area. rather. Mm-hmm. And um, applied to that. And I remember uh, I did Minnesota, I think, was first. And I didn't get a call back. I was like, oh, oh, well, I guess there's just Washington. Uh-huh. And so I sing for Washington. I make it to finals and then I am um, accepted into the program. So uh, I do the program there for three years and I started that program as a mezzo. In my first few months, one of the coaches heard me and he said, uh, that's not a mezzo voice, you're a soprano. <laughs> he said it in some different words, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was very, very uh, colorful language. Um, and uh you know, we start transitioning me and I was reluctant at first because I was mm-hmm. like, no, I'm a mezzo and, um, this is, you know, I relate to these characters and this music and blah, blah, blah. And we start transitioning and, and uh, life had other plans. Mm-hmm. And um, so I do that transition and I stay there uh, for three seasons because I needed more time. But my boss at Washington was hired at the Met. And so he um, took over their young artist program and he said, oh. sing for me at the Met. You're going to need some more time in this new repertoire. And so I did sing for him in the Met, at the mm-hmm. Met, and I was then accepted into the Lindemann program. So I did five years back-to-back of young artist training programs at two large American opera companies. Wow. So um, that was sort of my entrance. And honestly, um, uh, I feel very lucky. Uh, mm. I feel very blessed because uh, the right person heard me and, and took a chance on me uh, twice. <laughs> um, and so... Um, that was sort of my, my, my push into the world. And I just finished that program about almost a year ago. Well, you mentioned transitioning from mezzo to a soprano. And mm-hmm. I, um, I've always thought of those two as just voice types. But you mentioned uh, you know, something about characters and how you relate to the characters within the mezzo-soprano rep. Could you tell me more about that? Yeah. So they are just voice types. right? Okay. But, you know, we take on our own little ideas of what these voice types represent, you know, the tenor is this and the bass is this and the mezzo mm. is this. Um, and so I had sort of taken on the mezzo persona, you know, I feel mm. like I'm earthy and grounded and I can be the, you know, the one who keeps things, keeps things together and the mother and the witch. Like I, I enjoy these sort mm. of, these kinds of characters. I see. And so suddenly someone's telling me you're going to be, you know, the lead role and you're going to cry a lot. <laughs> and you're going to be on your knees a bunch and because, you know, all the sopranos in that my repertoire seem to do that. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, it was a bit of a shock because I was like, I want to be this, you know, strong, 
character and sort of changed under me. And uh, yeah. it was more of a, it was a really a mental change, you know, um, mm -hmm. it was a vocal one, but it was also just me getting out of my own way. Yeah. Do you feel a shift in the persona after you transitioned to a soprano? At first I did. Um, and now that I'm sort of, you know, uh, securely in mm. this repertoire, I, I feel, I don't know. I, I, I feel, I feel like I'm just me. I'm not so worried about being, feeling, filling this, you know, box or checking boxes. I'm just me. Yeah, that's amazing. I've heard that Yale Opera Program is known for um, just like really intense, learning a lot of rep, um, playing a lot of roles within within a very short period of time. So that must have been a lot for you to kind of relearn the repertoire. Oh yeah, because Yale, I graduated and I had performed, or had performed seven roles by mm -hmm. the time I graduated. Wow. Um, and before that, in undergrad, I had done a few small roles and other programs had done small roles. So I had, you know, some, a nice chunk of mezzo roles to my name and so you're yeah it was I had to you know learn a lot of rep like my first years in those programs was just learning arias and learning roles and mm -hmm. um getting acquainted with this rep and and you know figuring out what my stamina is like now in mm -hmm. this new rep and yeah yeah that's really fascinating what drawn you into opera in the first place my school had a program that would send kids to see um dress rehearsals of opera and I'm mm. from Philadelphia, it's Philadelphia school district. And um, I was a part of that program and uh, we saw our first opera, or I saw my first opera when I was 12 in the sixth grade and it was at Opera Philadelphia and it was mm. a production of Carmen. And I remember I saw the costumes and the lights mm. and the, all the shiny things and all the yeah. sound. And uh, I always tell people this, I hated the story initially. Like, <laughs> why did she die? I was so upset about it. Uh, <laughs> um, but I went home to my parents and I said, whatever in the world that was, I need to learn how to do it. So well, my dad and my mom were like, well, you need voice lessons if you want to learn how to do that. Mm -hmm. So we found a voice teacher and I started taking voice lessons at 12. Yeah. So what's your experience been like, um, being in the opera scene? Because I think in the last year, a lot of things have come up to the surface um, regarding a lot of discrimination within the opera scene. Well, I, I sort of feel like the, the training programs protected me from that just mm -hmm. a bit. Um, and I always say, you know, I'm not in those back rooms. I don't know what they're saying about me. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know what they, you know, what they're deciding because of what I look like. I know that people haven't said these, these things to me, mm -hmm. but I know that they're said, that's no question. And yeah. I've experienced those microaggressions. Yeah. I've experienced donors coming up to me and saying things like, oh, your parents could afford to give you voice lessons. Wow. And, you know, having to smile at them and say, you know, whatever I did say, something snarky I said. Uh -huh. um, but <laughs> I've experienced those kinds of things. Um, but personally, I don't. I, I tend not to focus on them mm -hmm. and give them energy because I know that everyone is not going to like me. Yeah, I, I, I'm aware of that. Um, I grew up in a very, uh, I would say, pro-black household. Mm -hmm. So I grew up being very proud of of who I am. Yeah. So and understanding that everybody else, you know, everybody in the world is not happy with who I am. <laughs> That's their problem. That's not my issue. 
But I will say, you know, in, in opera, you know, there's some black singers are sort of expected to do a certain thing. Mm-hmm. So especially me, for example, in, in soprano repertoire, if you have a, I have a fuller voice, mm. um, they expect that you will sing Verdi repertoire and Italian repertoire. And that's sort of the focus. But I'm like, well, what about the, you know, the French or what about the, the German repertoire? There hasn't been much representation of, of brown people in, in, in German rep. Why yeah. can't I sing that? Why are you pushing me into a certain kind of thing? Or, you know, I'm a big brown woman I can still sing those ingenue roles. I can sing, you know, fun, sexy things. Um, yeah. And so, but they, they see, you know, black women, she must be a queen and she must mm. be strong. And it's like, <laughs> I can be fun and I can be silly. And, you know, you know, I don't have to be, don't, don't box me in. And mm. I, I find that quite a bit uh, for us. Definitely. Yeah. That's interesting because I feel like as a composer, I can some, sometimes hide behind my music. And I'm a composer. I don't go up on the stage and present myself, you know. But I feel like singing is a very inherently vulnerable thing because it's just you. You don't hide behind an instrument or, or anything. It's just you on the stage. So, yeah, that must be really vulnerable making. Very. And, and sometimes frustrating because you know within yourself that you're capable of certain things. And so you're having to, to convince people, other people to see that as well. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, why can't you just open yourself up? You know what I mean? And, yeah, that's true. Um, I'm actually also a singer myself. I, I just love singing and I'm taking this musical theater class. And we're talking a lot about um, just kind of, you know, shifting the narrative a little bit. Um, and I wonder how you, what you think about that in, within the opera field. I think this last year is opening people to that. And I think some of our, our friends in Europe have done that a bit more mm-hmm. than we have in the United States. I think we're a little bit behind in that mm-hmm. regard. Um, but you're right. I've seen that in my Asian friends as well. They get pushed into certain kinds of things and this is what you should do. And you should be smiley and sweet. And it's like the Asian women I know are, are tough. Okay. And like things done. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yeah. So I think, I think we're, we are sort of moving past that. Finally, like I was hired finally to do Musetta in Bohem. Um, mm. I was supposed to do it uh, last season or rather this season, but of course pandemic. Yeah. Um, but it was like, yes, yes, somebody's <laughs> seeing something that is not, you know, the norm. Yeah. We're getting there for sure. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, we're both women of color in music, which is tough. But also, our experiences are vastly different. You know, I'm in composition and here in opera, which is um, just very different to begin with. But I'm also, I'm East Asian, and there's a lot of us in classical music. So I want to hear more about that. How was your experience, um, you know, when you were at Yale and in the professional fields? So Yale for me was, uh, again, another, another like mini shock. Yeah. Um, because, okay, like I told you, grew up in Philadelphia, very pro-Black household, you know, mostly Black middle school and a very mixed high school. I went to an arts high school. And then I went to undergrad at Morgan State University. And Morgan is a historically Black university. Mm. So 95 to 99% of my classmates were brown. <laughs> so um, there's something very comforting about that, about being around people 
who look like you and professors who look like you and and not that we have mixed professors but like who want to see you do well and want to help you succeed in whatever way that that they can yeah um and i felt very empowered leaving that situation and like i knew myself and um comfortable in myself and then i went to yale and uh for two years at the school of music i was the only black woman wow um, and there were black men. There was one other black male singer in the program while I was there. And then there were like two or three instrumentalists uh, there mm-hmm. that I can remember, but only black woman for two mm-hmm. years. And uh, it was a bit isolating just having come from those past experiences. And um, I consider myself to be a, a, a bit introverted. I like my alone time, mm-hmm. but I, I sort of started hiding and, mm. and staying away just didn't feel, I don't know, I didn't feel initially uh, very comfortable. Mm. And it's just, uh, so I, I, sometimes I, this sounds so corny, uh, but it's so true. Like representation matters. Yeah. So true. Yeah. Um, it's really. just, it's used so much now that I'm like, um, <laughs> but it's so true. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I didn't realize how much I needed it until my second year, Yale was being renovated. The School of mm. Music was being renovated. Um, and so we had to move up to the um, Divinity School campus. And we were up there for my second year. And the Divinity School at Yale has lots of Black people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Black people at Yale, they're in the, <laughs> they're in the Divinity School. And so... I get there and I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> this is where they are. This is where they've been the whole time. <laughs> and I start making friends yeah. <laughs> and uh, dating. And I was like, oh, okay. And I, my second year was like so different from the first year. Wow. And it was, you know, I, it was, I blame myself because I did isolate myself. Mm. But also it was just the nature of, of, of not having enough of that around me in my, yeah. in my own studies. Yeah, I I don't think things have changed a lot at the YSM. I don't see many black students currently. Yeah, I am sad to hear that you know you you felt isolated when you were at Yale, and um, you know I think I have felt that way certainly myself as well. You know because in composition, first of all, there are like not many women, and there's not many Asian women. I've been in situations where I was like the only woman slash only person of color in the room mm-hmm. and um i've been looking through uh just like press release of the stuff that i did in the past and i've noticed that i was being framed as a woman in those in those articles you know they would say that you know the um Sumin kim comma the only woman on the program comma blah 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 and i was like i don't know i don't know how i feel about that because yes i am woman and i'm an asian woman but that's not at the forefront of my identity that's not the only thing that i am so and that's um because you, you asked about my experiences in opera sort of become a, a bit of frustration is that you know we are often asked as singers to do things in which i always say in which my color is a part of the costume Mm. And that's okay. I love creating characters and portraying Black people. And I love that. Yeah. And I love singing Black music and Black composers. And I will always do that. And I'm passionate mm. about that. But does everything I have to do have to rely on that? You know what I mean? Does yeah. are you as a composer, does everything have to rely on you being a woman and you being Asian 
can it be that I'm just a composer? Yeah. Can it be that I'm just a singer? Like a lot of my work this year is just is, is things where I'm singing, you know, music of black composers mm. and black themes. And like I said, I love, but like, I'm so much more than, than, than this. My blackness is at the center of who I am. Mm. Of course, it's not going anywhere. I can't hide it. And yeah. I, I would never want to, mm-hmm. but like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm so yeah. much more. I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I'm a multifaceted human. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's why I feel a little bit torn because I know that I know that representation is so important, and I want to be that Asian woman composer to to somebody. You know, if they're looking for someone who looks like them in in composition, and I want to be that person. But I also, like you said, am so much more than just that. And sometimes I want my works to be just separate from my identity a little bit. I don't want my works to be seen just as like a work by a woman of color. Or just to be programmed on concerts of, you know, works by women of color. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I understand people are, especially now, they want to represent, you know, all kinds of people now on these programs, and I mm-hmm. appreciate it so much. Yeah. <laughs> Again, don't box us in. Don't make yeah. it the only thing yeah. that we do. Yeah, definitely. It's not that we want this special treatment. We just want to to. We just want to be there. We just yeah. want to, we, you know what I mean? I don't need this, this grand fireworks. Like, I just want to just, just make sure we're there. Yeah. <laughs> that's like, that's it. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. You mentioned um, singing a lot of works by Black composers this year. And, you know, with the pandemic and with everything that's happened, um, in our worlds lately, uh, we all kind of had to find alternative ways of making music and communicating to the audience. And I want to know how you've been making music recently. What's funny is I I was very reluctant to join uh-huh. the virtual performance world because for me, um, for me, the audience is the is the reason why I sing. Yeah. So I need that connection. I need that energy exchange. Mm. And for me, it was like, I don't want to sing to a camera. I don't, it it was, it it did not appeal to me at all. Yeah. People asked me and I, and I kept saying no, no, no. And then I got an email from my manager around December, November, December, and said, um, you had a recital that was supposed to happen, but it got rescheduled and it's happening now in March Mm -hmm. and it's going to be live streamed. Wow. All right. I guess I have to come on out of that. And for me, I, I'm so glad that I said no to things before that, because I, if I want, if I was going to do something virtual, I didn't want it to be on my phone. Mm. Uh, You know, I wanted it to be something of a certain quote unquote level. Yeah. I wanted it to to be a certain kind of way. And so that situation. And so I just actually did that recital uh, about a week ago and it just streamed on Sunday, and it's still avail- available um, for another week online. It was yeah. at the Phillips Collection in Washington, D.C. They have a recital series. And um, this is something that I just like to ask in this podcast. Um, what is something that you care about? I care about children. Um, mm-hmm. I care about their voices being heard. Uh, I think they are so brilliant in the way that they see the world and, and um I don't know, so pure in a way. And like, I, I, I just, I love talking to them and hearing from them and singing for them. And um, I don't know, it's become something that I have to do now. It's something that I like, I make it a point to do that. 
Yeah. Um, if I'm on a gig and there's a chance for me to talk to kids, kids, I, I have to do that now. Um, or people, you know, ask me to talk to their classrooms. I've spoken to so many classrooms through this pandemic. That's been the beauty is, mm-hmm. is being able to get into so many classrooms with my friends as students. Yeah. Um, and um, I don't know, you learn so much from them. And I've realized as an adult that I'm, I, in so many ways, I'm trying to get back to that child. Mm. Do you know what I mean? That, that pure, innocent child. And, and in my singing, I want to get back to that, that child who wasn't worried about, you know, singing this correctly and being right. And she just wanted to sing and wanted yeah. to, to touch someone. I uh, am passionate about, about, about children. And I, 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 we need to, to invest in them. There's so many organizations that are, but we have to keep doing that. Yeah, that's amazing. I love how you said, you know, you're trying to get back to go back to when you were a child and just making music for the sake yes. of making music, just because you, you love it. Yes, and that be- because I, I want to get back to that, to what made me fall in love with it to begin with. Mm. I wasn't focused on it being being a certain kind of way, avant-garde and, and <laughs> special and unique and um, heady. I wasn't worried about those things. It was just about you yeah. know how it made me feel, how it made other people feel. Yeah, uh, before I let you go, tell us where you, we can find you and your works. I have my website, leahhawkinssoprano.com. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook, and I try to post things there as well. Thank you so much. And thank, thank you. you, YSM community, for simply listening. And join me next week for a conversation with pianist Althea Waits. Until then, be well. Sure.